Welcome to the Ready to Thrive podcast. My name is Jacqueline, and I don't know if you've ever felt like you are just surviving your life. I know I have, and that's why I created this space. I want to help you move from surviving to thriving. My goal is to help you get unstuck and actually enjoy your life. Each week, I'll be sharing practical tips and always point you to Jesus. So what are you waiting for? Let's get ready to thrive. Hello and welcome to Ready to Thrive. Uh, I am so excited to be kicking off a new series here on Ready to Thrive, all about having hard conversations. And what better person to talk about having hard conversations with than my husband. And we have been married for about 14 and a half years. And over the course of our marriage, we really have learned to dig in and to have a lot of those really difficult conversations. Um, talking about our finances, talking about our parenting, talking about pornography, talking about the real issues, things that um, get in the way of having thriving marriages. But this this series is not just for people who are married. It's not just about marriages. It's really about learning how to thrive in so many different areas of our life. And I've actually learned quite a bit from my husband, Brendan, um, as he has taken on different areas of his life work-life balance, um, technology, other things that he has struggled with and has learned to thrive. And I thought, you know what, this would be a great opportunity for us just to sit down and have some really real conversations the way we do um, at home or when we are on a date night or going for a drive and just press record and start talking about these conversations um, to be able to help you. So first off, since you do not know Brendan, other than the random anecdotes I might share on here, I thought I would ask him a few questions and have him introduce himself. So Brendan, tell me a little bit about um, who you are, what you do today, and a little bit of um, your story. Well, first off, I just wanted to say thank you for having me on the podcast. I'm a longtime listener, first time caller, but I I do feel like it's a, a great joy. It's been awesome to see your journey with this podcast, and I am thrilled uh, seeing all the great people you get to interview, that it is actually a pretty big honor. I would be asked to share some thoughts and conversations. So who I am, I am someone who uh, crested over 40 uh, just over a year ago, a year and a half ago, and work for a nonprofit uh, organization, a Christian ministry called Young Life, reaching out to teenagers, and I've been involved since I got connected to Young Life in high school, and it was life-changing, transformative, and I've been working with them in various roles, from volunteering to part-time through university, and then I've been on full-time staff as something called an area director for the last 15 years, and I get to oversee an awesome city in Lower Mainland called Surrey. Awesome. Well, let's go back just a little bit further, um, just because I think it does help people unpack a little bit more of who you are. Um can you tell me just like a quick snapshot of your childhood slash teenage years, what that would have looked like? Yes, the glory days, as I like to think about them. Um, no, I, I grew up uh, in a home that unfortunately experienced divorce when I was in grade four. And so that was a big impact on what life looked like for me uh, through elementary and into high school. I moved high schools partway through um, my grade nine year and changed friend groups and was really a guy that, you know, like sports and like different things, but my friends were my be all and end all. And my particular friend group 
was a group that was really into partying and smoking pot. And so that became my my whirlwind from at least, I'd say, grade 9 to grade 11. And the catalyst was actually going to a Young Life camp. But even right up to that, I had made a pretty drastic step my grade 11 summer. I moved out of my dad's house, and I was renting a home with my best friend. And a little side secret was there was a grow-up in the basement. So I was on the uh, path to... Um, you know, maybe go down a dark road. And that's when uh, my dad actually had been the catalyst sending me to Young Life Camp that summer. And I came home and not only started a relationship with Jesus, but I also decided I should probably move back into my parents' house for grade 12. That might be a plan for graduating. And so got very plugged into Young Life community, got engaged in church, and uh, definitely went in a different direction from that point onwards. But high school was an adventure. Well, I I appreciate you sharing that because I think right now if people were just to see you or meet you they could think like oh there's brennan he's like such a clean-cut guy he's really got his life together and all those things but um when you look back at where you started um it wasn't necessarily the easiest path um both from things you were handed but also things that you chose and there has been a lot of learning and growing along the way um personally and um and even just in terms of like growing in wisdom in terms of how to be an adult. And I think that's one of the things that um, Brendan and I keep talking about is is really how do we thrive in our personal lives? How do we thrive parenting, um, growing in our uh, relationship with Jesus on our own? And so we want to dive into all of those things, but I think that's a really good snapshot of sort of where you came from. Um, one of the things we're going to talk about um, is finances. And again, that was something really that you had to um, learn how to navigate. And a lot of the things that we are going to talk about, um, they come out of a lot of our own uh, mistakes. We're definitely not coming from a place of, hey, we have the perfect marriage. We are the perfect parents or anything like that. But we really have, um, we have made a lot of mistakes. And we've also, we're definitely people who like to talk about these things and we'd like to reflect and see um, both how we've grown, but how can we also encourage other people along the way? We love pouring into people who um, are younger than us and who are eager to learn and grow um, just as we are. And so um, one of the things I just want to start off talking about is this idea of having hard conversations. Now, again, this isn't necessarily just in the context of marriage, uh, but I think it really is key to a thriving marriage, being able to have those hard conversations. It can also be um, having a crucial conversation with a family member or a friend. Uh, but Brendan, you know, for me, I think about when we were dating and we would kind of get in these little arguments or fights. And I had my own um, sort of gut responses to being in a fight. And I would shut down and I would kind of be quiet and not say anything. And I would sort of wait until you would pry this out of me. And I think this is pretty typical where each person in a relationship can kind of have their go-to response. And what I really appreciated about you is that you um, really made me grow up in this way and be able to finish a hard conversation. And sometimes these conversations went on for a very long time, but we were actually able to resolve things and I had to learn how to not give in to those um, habits. Really the habits I'd formed in other relationships where when we got in a fight, I would respond in a certain way. 
And I was actually really just being very childish in my response. And so I had to learn how to respond in a way. And now, hopefully, when we have an argument and I want to go back to an old response, I can say, hey, I think I need to actually address this issue right away. What does it look like to address this in a healthy way? So, Brendan, I just want to hear from you. Um, How did you learn to have hard conversations? And what do you think the benefit is of being able to really sit down have a good hard conversation and see it through to the end? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And I think it's something that there is part of me that's been wired to want to have conversations that create <clears throat> reconciliation. And I even realized going back to some messy seasons in my family life as a teenager and trying to play the role of mediator. Uh, at times when there was relational strife between siblings, I'm the middle child, or between um, my dad and I remember one particular woman he was engaged to. So I think there was something in me, but I wouldn't say I learned the skill set of it until I was volunteering as a young life leader and had uh, an area director, a woman who um, really modeled adult faith. She was a few years older than me. I was very still new in my faith, but realized like I hadn't had a lot of good adulting skills at all. And I remember in particular, a very hard conversation she had with me and a few of them, in fact, over the years where I just assumed that she was confronting me with something negative. She was bringing up something negative that maybe this was going to jeopardize the relationship. And what she modeled for me was that wasn't the purpose of bringing it up. wasn't to end the relationship. It was in fact, to help me see a blind spot to address something that was bothering her and to help me get better. And so I think I can really credit her, her name's Julie, and she's still a good friend of ours, as being someone that modeled that this can actually be a safe, positive process that is worthwhile going down the path of. And I've been fortunate to learn how to do that both in ministry with people I either work with or lead, um, as well as bringing that into marriage. And so I'd say the, the piece around that that I um, began to learn and even put words around was the key of going all the way through a hard conversation and that really one of the only things you can do to make the hard conversation a negative is to abort the process partway through is that if you actually go through and you talk to the bottom and you get all the things that your gut is saying you're still agitated, frustrated, hurt, conflicted about, and if you can get those out and if you can get them out safely and kindly while still speaking truth, that is even better and that's a learning process. But if you actually go all the way through it, you will have a very positive result. And even in fact, and this is what I experience in relationships and in our marriage, is your relationship will actually be strengthened by addressing something hard and difficult. But it really involves both people saying we're not going to get so mad in the middle of this conversation that we get up and leave, even if we feel like it. Okay, I think that is really good. And um, I think it's something that even as we're sitting here having this conversation, I can take for granted that we have learned how to do And I've often said to people, one of the things that has helped our marriage be so strong is that we fight well and realizing that it's not that we don't fight. It's not that we don't have a disagreement or an argument, but that we've really learned how to dig in and do that well. And I think part of it is the muscle memory, like you said, of knowing if we can keep going in this conversation to the end, we will feel more connected. We will feel like we've understood each other. There's countless conversations we've had where I've been so frustrated by something. Why doesn't he get this? 
And there's been this aha moment towards the end where, where he's gone like, oh, okay, I get it. And then often there's actually also been a change, right? Like we have these conversations sometimes because we're hoping for a change, to see a change in the other person, their behavior or uh, response toward us or whatever. And so sometimes we really need to have the conversation all the way to the end. So there is a level of understanding that actually will produce that change. So for somebody who's listening, Brennan, who's like, ah, we just... We've fallen into bad habits. We don't actually sit down and have those conversations. What are some tips or things you could give to somebody uh, to be able to begin to have them? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I would say part of it is trying to change your value system, which easier said than done. But sometimes our value system on what's worth our time or what's worth bringing up or what's worth giving two or three hours to um, we would do it for entertainment. We would do it for a hobby. We would do it for our own free time activity that we want to spend uh, our own you know, choice investing in. But to say your improved relationship, a healthy relationship, particularly if it's a marriage or a roommate or someone, that, a family member, a good friend, someone you work with, where you realize the strife, the constant frustration, the triggers every time you see them of that angst you feel because of A, B, and C that they've done, you know, and it just keeps stacking on top of each other because you've never been able to air your grievance with them, that that is a worthwhile investment. And sometimes we think, well, I made a backhanded comment or I let them know with my tone that I don't appreciate that behavior. And I think they got the message that that's really not how understanding is created. That's not really how a breakthrough is created. And it is tough because like many things in our life, there are things we're going to become more efficient and effective at with practice. But unfortunately, if conflict resolution, crucial conversations, hard conversations, call it what you will, has not been something you've practiced, you've had success at, you don't have a lot of experience at, generally speaking, it'll take longer. But I think it's incredibly worth it. But it does require saying this, this probably isn't a 10-minute conversation, even though that's how much emotional energy or time you feel like you have. So creating space to say, I'm going to ask for a coffee, even if it's someone I live with, and we're going to go outside the house and we're going to have time to start and end this conversation. And we're going to have a commitment that we're going to get all the way through to the end. And you may have to pause it and you say, okay, we're going to pause it here. We're going to pause at this point, but we, but to actually go through until you get to a level of breakthrough understanding. And I think uh, another Tip, I would say, and this is usually my guide in any situation, and I think all of us are given a gut, and we use that concept as sort of this, you know, guttural level discernment, understanding. Lots of us connect that in relationship to the Holy Spirit, uh, a God-given experiential wisdom we draw. And I would say trust your gut to a degree to realize whether you've got it all off your chest. I'm not saying unload double barrels five minutes in with the full weight, but I'm saying trust the process to be able to give the top layer and then the second layer and then the third layer and then the medium layer and that you know that you're going to feel the beginning of the true freedom and peace when you get all the way to the bottom. So that's one of the sayings I would have is talk the issue to the bottom. The bottom meaning the bottom of your frustration, the bottom of how far it goes with all the history. And I think those can be really, really critical pieces and I think a third one I will just add in is Stephen Covey, who people are probably familiar with or might not be, The Seven Habits of Highly Successful or Effective People. One of his principles, one of his seven is seek first to understand, then be understood. 
in a marriage, in a long-term relationship with a family member or roommate, that is not easy at all. And so I would say if you can just realize that in all your frustration, the other person is not evil. They're not trying to sabotage your life. They are a human who has their own feelings and experiences. And if you could somehow pause yours for as mad as you are, to hear what it is that's making them so bothered and behave that way will be such a gift to get somewhere. And then they, by following your example, could do likewise to you. Well, I love everything that you shared there. And I think if people can sit for a minute um, and with that moment of what you said, we need to evaluate kind of what we value. And it is actually really convicting to think how many hours could I spend scrolling through something, watching something, yet not spend that time trying to reconcile a relationship, trying to have that um, understanding of that person. And so there was so much that you shared there. I, I have to say this on the podcast, but I do hope people will go back and listen to all the different sections you talked about because there there actually so many really good tips in there. And so I think whoever the person is you're talking to, understanding they are not the enemy. And we've had to do this in our conversations. And I've had to say to myself, he is not the enemy, right? I, I know who my enemy is. It's not my husband. And so um, like Brendan said there, if I'm able to really listen, and you actually have to tell yourself this sometimes, listen to understand, not listening so I can fire up my next point. And that is such a challenge and a struggle, Um, but really trying to listen to the person. Um, One thing that I have found that has helped has been knowing when to bring things up and have the conversation. There can be little things that irritate you about somebody, especially if we're in the marriage context. And as we are running out the door in the morning and let's say one of us does, I see Brennan do something, let's say with the dishwasher. That's not the moment to say to him, hey, that thing you do really bugs me. Uh, I can actually just write a note in my phone and say, at another time when we have time to sit down and talk about this, that would be a great time to bring that up. And and sometimes it is the death by a thousand cuts, just those very little things in our lives that we we don't ever bring up or we bring them up at the wrong time. And so what can happen is sometimes maybe Brendan would bring something up to me and then instead of the mature response of like you're right I I will think about that and and we can process that I might just fire back something that bugs me about him and that's not a very mature way to have a conversation Um, but being able to pick the when and so we still have to learn um, how to do that what is the when of when we're going to sit down and have that conversation and um, even as Brennan was sharing about the values there are times where he will bring something up with me and I'm like, oh, I don't I don't want to dedicate the two or three hours it's going to take to have this conversation. I don't want to. And I think that's just a reality of it. Of it. These conversations aren't necessarily fun. Um, but the what we're going to gain through them um, is so worth it. And so one thing we have done um understanding that we don't always have the space in busy lives to have these conversations. Um, Sometimes when we're on a little bit of a road trip, so it could just be driving into the city or we've got a lake day or something where we're driving for a while and the kids tend to be a little bit more occupied in the back. That might be a time where we have 
um, a longer conversation. Or it could be a date night. Although, to be honest, I don't love crying in a pub. I've done that many times where we've had these hard conversations. Um, and so that that happened more for a, se- a harder season that we were in. Um, but that can be a great time of saying, like you said, going out to a coffee shop, going somewhere, maybe just sitting in your car and going for a drive. Um, or if we are on vacation, and I don't know when that will happen again, um, where we get away just the two of us, but we've often tried to have some good, hard conversations when we're on vacation, just the two of us, because we know we actually get this uninterrupted time to talk. And no, um, it's not necessarily always the fun conversations, but it is a chance for us to gain greater understanding about each other, resolve some things, and actually be be able to grow closer and stronger, as Brennan said. Um, Brennan, is there anything else you'd share just about the value of hard conversations or any other tips for people? Yes, definitely. I, I think another thing that comes to mind that's incredibly important, and for some of this comes a little easier, but most of us have a challenge doing it, which is owning our contribution to a conflict. And one of the more difficult things is, let's say it's a scenario where even as you both talk about it, you do realize, oh, this is actually 90 to 95% the other person's like wrongdoing. Uh, and the only percentage we have in it is either how we reacted right away and we said something that wasn't great after they did this wrong thing. Then what can happen is we just feel like justice involves the most, the worst offender owning their stuff, apologizing, and then we feel vindicated. Where actually what's so critically important is each party in any situation to own their part, even if it's 1% of the pie chart of the problem. And so by owning that 1%, it allows the other person to feel like it was okay that they also were hurt by how you responded. And sometimes we just feel like, no, well, like you did something so mean or so, so dumb that it's justifiable that I lashed out and I used this tone or this phrase with you where actually that's incorrect. It is hurtful and their hurt of your response is still worthy and justified. And so there is a challenge where you're trying to mine down to the bottom. You're trying to talk to the bottom to get a full understanding of their why, why they did what they want, what what their intention was, what their interpretation was. But then at the very end of that, when both parties can say, yeah, we've said what I wanted to say about this issue and our frustration, to then each take a turn owning and apologizing their contribution, even if it is a smaller fraction or a larger fraction of what it was that happened. And by actually practicing that, it makes a big difference. And sometimes some of us don't have that as part of our practice. We actually get our kids to do it. Uh, we, we find that that is part of what enables them actually to not just cover over the mistakes and just try and sol- soldier on or sweep it under the carpet. It actually creates freedom and peace. Which, if we're honest, I think that's the, the name of the game in the overall satisfaction of our life is, and I think what also is such a burden in our lives is when we walk around and we're faced and confronted day by day with messages and the faces of people we don't feel peace towards, we don't have freedom with because we've been wronged and we have hurts and we feel the awkwardness and the tension. Whereas what would it look like to take person by person in your life and actually feel set free from those conflicts? You say, no, we actually have trust. We have reconciliation, but the path to it 
is by owning, forgiving, and even stating the specifics. And we do this with our kids, and I watch it be physically freeing to our children for them to say not just, I'm sorry I did that thing. The, the vagueness is actually a little less helpful in these situations. Say, I'm sorry that I use such a terrible, aggressive tone with you. Even though what you did bothered me so much, I'm still really sorry for my terribly aggressive tone in response. And I just want to say sorry. And to have each person actually state the words of, I forgive you, there is power and freedom in those. Wow. So that is so much more than um, I could have hoped for, that I could have shared um, I wasn't expecting Brennan to go there with that peace and freedom, but that is so true. And one thing I've realized as we have encouraged our kids to apologize and to forgive each other is that they don't feel like it, right? There isn't a point where they feel like it. And I realized that um, even though they don't feel like it, they're they're learning this skill of how to own what they have done how to apologize well, how to offer forgiveness. And as adults, we often don't have that skill. And we like to hold on to our rights and those things that are we feel justified in. And it actually ends up just damaging us from the inside. And so I think what Brendan is sharing here is that as we apologize, even again, if it is that 1%, and I know each of us have done that with each other, where we feel mostly wronged by the other person, but we've actually started the hard conversation with an apology. And when you can approach somebody with an apology, it actually um, brings their defenses down. And usually the way we start a conversation is with an attack, right? You have done this. You did that to me. And whenever we use attacking language, it makes somebody feel defensive. So instead, if we go to somebody and say, I'm sorry for what I did here. I'm sorry that I made you feel upset or I'm sorry. It actually brings their defensives down and we're we're more likely to enter into that conversation from a place of peace and understanding. Um, and then again, even if I don't feel like apologizing, um, it does bring that sense of peace. And generally, I'm usually able to apologize more sincerely later on and really begin to forgive. And as I've said on here before, forgiveness also isn't necessarily this feeling. It's not this feeling of, oh, now I, I'm not frustrated anymore. Sometimes the feelings follow our actions. And I love that all we've talked about here in this process of why to have hard conversations, how to have hard conversations. Brennan, is there anything you would want to say as we wrap up this conversation? Trust the process. I would say it is really... There's a skepticism you will have, especially if you haven't entered into these kind of conversations in the past. Or let's be honest, many people, many adults feel like this doesn't work. I have lost friendships. I have family members I'm estranged from. I have a coldness with three or four very important people in my life. And we've tried to do this. And when we went in, we made it worse. And so that is a really challenging part about this. And there was even a season when I saw the value of this freedom. I started offering it to people in my organization that had years of baggage between each other because I think sometimes there's a need for someone to be in the room who knows what the process looks like and can help mediate it. And I don't think that's probably the best long-term for any marriage that they always need a third party to, you know, referee their fights or something like that. But I do think there can be seasons where 
for whatever reason, and you probably have other great strengths in your life, but this is a blind spot. This is an area where you don't feel successful in. You don't feel like you're good at reconciling or good at having the hard conversations. So if there's someone in your life that could maybe support you and this other person you work with, with your roommate, with your sibling, whoever it is, um, it can be really valuable to have someone who knows the process, guide the process for you. And I think as we get a taste of having one or two of those go well, that can be an encouragement to say, oh, maybe there is more freedom in this. And even really big, scary things could actually be worked out through this. And I think a similar piece uh, I would say in terms of trust in the process is don't be afraid to start small, either with a small conflict with someone or with someone that you have maybe a long history with, a smaller item. Now, if it's someone you have a long history with, you you might, you know, trigger three layers deep and, and you're talking about all these things at once and you can't really solve the one without the other. But I would say start small and get some wins, get some successes and get some experiences with the process working for you. And do consider in certain situations if you might have a, a third party who could help you, um, especially if it's a relationship that you, it would make a huge difference it was better and you lose sleep that it's not and that there's a conflict that still sits between you. And I think we've all been there and that's it, that it's actually worth it. It's worth figuring out a way to move past and get freedom and breakthrough. Awesome. Well, thank you, Brennan, for episode one of Having Hard Conversations. And we'll be back next week to talk about something else. I'm excited to have you on again. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening today. I really am so encouraged knowing how many of you are being encouraged by this message. And if you have found it helpful, would you mind just sharing it with a friend? leaving five stars or even a review wherever you listen to podcasts, podcasts, keeping it super professional. Um, If you want to connect more with me, head over to Instagram where I'm at Jacqueline.Widener. Or if you want some free resources, head over to my website at JacquelineWidener.com.